Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez, and today I'm here with Becky Reeves of Barista in Portland. Uh, We are doing an episode today that is going to recap some of our experiences at USBC, which is the United States Barista Championship. I think it's still called USCC now, United oh, States Coffee Championship. Ex- that includes like that. all of the all of the championships, yeah, right, like the right, roasters right. competition, the cup tasters, and all of that. Um, but Becky is here, so hi, Becky. Greetings, hello. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we're all coming off a giant wave of just being exhausted. Yeah, so everyone's voice is especially hoarse, especially because last night. Uh, I sang a number of perfect karaoke yeah. songs. I only got one in. But. I, I sang Uptown Girl, which was great. Um, and then Liz Dean and I sang a duet of A Whole New World. Mm. I played Aladdin. Of course. <laughs> um, so for our listeners who maybe um, are new to you, why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are and sort of your pathway to the USBC this year? Well, I started in coffee in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I worked for one of the only roasteries in town for about four years. And then I moved to Portland and I worked for Ristretta Roasters and I first competed with them. And at my first competition with Ristretto, I placed third in the West Coast region, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I went to my first USBC, didn't do so hot, but that's okay, I learned. And then I competed in Austin this last February for Barista, the company that I'm at now. Um, did pretty okay there. I scored a mixture of zeros and sixes on my score sheet that I'm actually quite proud of. Um, and then I went to USBC and competed in the preliminary round. Um, also did okay, but that's how I that's how I got around to competing and doing all those things. So it's probably no secret that Becky and I are really good friends and we talk a lot about coffee issues and we talk both privately on Twitter, on other social media, um, noticing just what's happening at USBC. Um, so there are a couple of things, especially poignant to me and I think to Becky as well that we wanted to talk about. And we're hoping that this platform offers a chance for people to think of solutions to some of these problems um, because we not uh, have been brainstorming some ways. Um, but this USBC, at least for me, um, didn't feel as good as last year's. And that might be because my experience was different. Um, I competed last year and I placed like okay at the qualifier, but then I got into the top six in the first round and I was really inspired by the people around me. Um, People like Michael Harwood, who's really wonderful. Andrea Allen moved on, Casey Solaria. um, Kelly. Kelly, who's amazing. And Jeremy Sterner, who is incredibly giving of his time and really inspiring hadn't competed for years and remember his competition was the one where he left his shots running uh-huh and then the camera just kept panning on his shots running <laughs> and right. he handled it better than any he oh it was incredible the sensory judges had no idea it was absolutely incredible he just walked over and was like oh at these two two minute going <laughs> shots and just fixed the whole thing it was 
and he act, he ended up doing pretty well. He yeah, got like he, he got like eighth or ninth or something. Yeah, and I think it was totally because of the way he handled it. It was genius. I think he also talked a lot about his wife too. Yeah, yeah. in the routine or afterwards. I think it was afterwards. Mm-hmm. So in general, just like a group of really, I would say very different people. A lot of people who had never made it past the first round ever yeah. a lot of people who are really seasoned michael harwood's competed a lot but you know andrea that was the first time she'd gone to usbc i think no she she had placed in the top six in her region before right. um but i know i know that was the fast first time that she was in the finals in the finals last year yeah and she um, got second place right kelly had never competed before yeah. that was my first usbc uh, there were Kate, a lot of, there were a lot of first time competitors right in the semifinal round yeah it was just a really awesome group of people that i felt really inspired and this is by. last year just right. to clarify this was last year and it was you know two women four men so obviously not like a perfect ratio um and there's still more to be fixed and more diversity could be there but anyway i was very inspired by that group and then this year i had a buy into the semifinals so i was um in that second round um but seeing Seeing the group of people who made it into the first round really took the wind out of out of me. So maybe Becky could speak a little bit more to this because she was it was she was kind of in the thick of it. Yeah, it just it was a bummer um, for anybody who wasn't who wasn't playing along. Um, the people who all moved on from the preliminary round were all men, and they were all they're all incredible. Um, like Drew and uh, Brandon Paul Weaver, they're all from wonderful companies, and they represented really really wonderful ideas. Um, but it was it was really hard to look at a lot of the incredible women who also competed on that first day, like me and Erica and Amelia, and just kind of all just feeling like it was something that we had no control over. Um, it was it was tough, and it just kind of it really really bummed us all out that we, while we really respected those men that got to move on and they even came back up to us, especially Brandon Paul Weaver and just saying like, if there's anything that, that we can do to like help that, I mean, that was, that was incredible, but it was still, it was still just a bummer, like to feel like you weren't represented as best you could and not necessarily just of yourself, but like of all the other women around you that they, that they weren't technically good enough. Right. And I wonder um, looking over your score sheets and even just looking um, at where you all landed on the on the rankings because you guys were all kind of clustered together. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there were any any feedback or any instances on your score sheet where you felt that that might have reflected differently if you were a different gender? I yeah. Um, so to preface, my whole panel, all four of my sensory judges and my head judges were male. Um, which made me a little bit uncomfortable. And I think, so if we put ourselves in the situation of going going somewhere and someone is trying to convince you of something, so let's say we're at a barista competition and you are a judge or a competitor, it's a lot easier to believe what you're being convinced of by someone who looks and acts and talks like you. And so the, the fact that there were no women, I didn't have a woman head judge, but Brent is incredible, who was my head judge. I, I mean, I'm not speaking to the character of any of these men whatsoever. It's just the entire situation. Um, it's much, much harder to be convinced of their, of what they are telling you when they don't reflect any characteristics that you think an incredible barista competitor is. And oftentimes we happen to think that people who are great barista competitors are those who are like us. Right. And that's just... Uh you know, it's a likeness bias, no matter what, that you are 
going to believe something that someone tells you when they more are more like you. Exactly. It's easier for even just with me and you because like we're both we're both women. Like I I think about that a lot. Like, am I listening to you more because you are a woman? Um, but in those barista competitions, we don't teach people about inherent biases. Correct. Which I thought was really interesting. And like these judges can be as dialed as possible. And I totally believe that they they are dialed and they know how to judge things correctly. But the inherent bias is something that you cannot calibrate someone for. You cannot calibrate someone to understand how their bias is going to view somebody else. At, le- at least without not without talking about it, which I thought I was surprised that that is True. not a thing that the judges don't talk about. Yeah. And again, we're prefacing this with no attacks on any individual judges, right. no attacks on any individual competitors, especially. Um, but just, you know, when things kind of shuffle into a certain way, you have to question why that is. Totally. And if there's always ways to improve and talking to other judges, they're always in the competition committee, especially they're always looking for ways to improve. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to improve is to find out where these faults are that we can create solutions for. Something that I didn't even consider going even back a step with the judges that were on your panel is who gets to judge and what what privileges there are in judging because yeah, there are there are a fair amount of women judges, but there are significantly significantly more male judges. So I wonder I wonder why that is. Is it because men are more able to in their companies? I think it's it's the same reasons that you see more men competing. It's all about resources. It's I mean, this is the whole reason I created a wink. If we could find ways to support more women judges too, that would be rad. Um, but you there are more men in these companies and at higher levels. And so they are seen as more believable as being incredible judges. And so companies are more likely to support them to be judges, no matter what position in the company they might be. But women, when they want to be judges, they I'm seeing a lot more women who have really, really, really high positions in their company going and judging. And a lot more men who are just like kind of baristas, but their company's like, yeah, like you'd be really, really great at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the same things at barista competitions where men are perceived to be more capable of doing this job. And so they get a lot more of the resources to do so. Because judging is like, judging is difficult too. Like they have to come and dedicate four to five days of their time. They're not getting paid for it. That's that's work time that they're missing out on and then they have to like judging's hard you drink a lot of coffee and you get really sick um and what's the what's the gain out of it too and mm-hmm. i think when you look at barista competitions too there is some some gain like if you do well then you get seen or people hear your message but judging it's kind of like what's the what's the point right so that that's a good point to remember is that the we do have high expectations of our judges and I don't think we shouldn't, right. but we have to remember what... Especially on the USBC level too. Right. Um, something... So I, how do we yeah. how do we enchant new judges? How do we get new people involved? Because I think that the diversity is also about um, the type of companies that we have representing in the judges room and the type of different types of thought processes. So it would be kind of neat to see people from like second wave shops or people that aren't from all the shops that we see everybody from. Do you think that requires more effort on the competitions committee to reach out to people? I think it. I think the responsibility falls on a lot of 
I don't know if I can, I can't put it directly on the competitions committee. It relies on the BGA, the SEA. Just relies, to bring more people in. Yeah, just to diversify our pool that we are having our representatives from the industry from. Like, are we equally, are we showing, how do I say this? Are our representatives indicative of the industry itself? Or are we just kind of pulling from like the popular crowd? Are we pulling from our same resources as well? Yeah. Because we do see a lot of the same judges over and over. So just like we see the same competitors over and over. Right. So maybe the same companies. Yeah. I don't know. Just just shooting just shooting the shit here on this. Maybe we create kind of like a almost like a scholarship too for for judges. Not like a monetary scholarship, but like a like there are ten spots and we want all new judges to be in these spots. Yeah. For example. Um and that requires that requires effort. Like that's not gonna be easy. But we can't just say, because we say this a lot in hiring, um, we can't just say that the talent isn't there. We have to make the talent because it is there and we can take ownership over that situation. Um, I do want to come back to this this, um, idea that you mentioned about women in high power positions because something I did notice is that there are a lot of female head judges. Yeah. Hell yeah. There are a ton, which is awesome. And there are a ton of female competitors who did well but then there's this like gap i think in the middle where we're missing people like we don't have as many you know not as many women moved on to the second round not as many women even got close to it yeah um and i wonder someone asked me they're like do you think that there's a problem with this like an idea of female exceptionalism Hmm. where women have to be at the absolute tippy top or they're not anywhere well i mean yeah that's I, I could see that because, I mean, even after the the scores were released of the people who competed in the preliminary, people were like, because me and Erica scored, Erica was above me, and then it was me, and our scores are pretty close. And then people came up and they're like, oh, so like you and Erica are the top scoring women. And just kind of like, that's not, would you have said that? Did you, would you have said that to Drew and Brandon? Like, you guys are the top scoring males. And so it still always feels like this competition and that only yeah we're like they only accept the best of the best women and that you have to you have to be the tippy tippy top of your company or anything to be and i I think that's this relates or relates back to the cafe is where if you aren't the best you aren't taken seriously right there's no room for you to be just just to exist right Either you have to be the best or you don't even register on people's radar. Right. Um, and, and it's I, constantly still, regardless, even if you are the best, it's still a competition between the next female that's around or like the next female in line. Right. Something I was really struck by when I was in Austin was being in the top six there. People were like, oh, it's three women and three men. Like, aren't you happy? Like, that's great. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let's go seven through 18. Mm-hmm. There are two women. Like, it's exactly that again it's that like women just can't be yeah they can't exist right um it's it's still a point of like contention almost right like you have to be at this like like precipice to like prove that women deserve to be there or you're just thrown to the bottom right and i was really struck by that idea even with the judging panel where i'm like oh there are these exceptional female head judges but there's really not a lot of just regular judges Mm -hmm. and talking to some of the judges from austin about if they were invited back or not to to judge at USBC because you have to judge a regional before you go on to USBC. Um, it was interesting to hear some of the comments that women got, like you didn't ask enough questions um, during your um, 
like dial in time with the head judges, for example. And I was like, hey, competitions committee, if you want to talk to us. Yeah. Um, I would love to know more about how you pick judges and how you guys reach out to judges. I don't even know if there is yeah, a reaching out process. That's a, but I, I think that's a really wonderful question and something that can, because if competitors are saying that these judging panels are directly affecting how we feel we are being represented and we can come up with solutions to better these panels for everyone. Like I think we should all the competitions committee and the competitors should all work together to make these panels as awesome as they can be. Right. So because um, I know how people respond to things sometimes um, and because you had mentioned this from one of the judges, um, it's really easy to take the opposite point of view. Like it could be easy because there were all female panels and I think we should expound on that a little bit about how that's not the same as having all male judges. Well, it's the same. And I guess it's not the same argument, but it's like when I walk past a group of men on the street, how am I going to feel in that situation? As opposed to a man walking by a group of women, how is he going to feel in that situation? It's different levels of like intimidation and just overall perception of what, men and women are supposed to be Mm -hmm. so please don't make that argument (laughs) it's just it's just a bad one no it's just i just i i I hear it in my head where like a man's gonna be like well there was all women judges for this competitor who's a man it's like that doesn't even equate that doesn't that ignores any historical standard of gender discrimination that's ever existed both past and present and you are completely missing the point. Right. Just wanted to shut that down real fast. Yeah. Um, so Good call. Good call. Um, something. Okay, so let's go back. So we talked about the judges. Um, I do want to talk about what we were seeing from competitors um, in terms of the high level of resources that I think mm-hmm. a lot of competitors had. So this was the first year, and I've seen this before, but this is the first year I really noticed it, um, paid coaches. Yeah, we saw a lot of paid coaches and for people and we saw it last year, too. And I just think it's kind of like slowly trickled to be what it is. Right. And we're seeing people who have one coach the next set of winners. So I'm thinking like at the international level, like watching it's in the coffee man, like Hidenori coaches Sasha, which is great. And it obviously helps him win. Um, You know, Pete. Lakata has a very notable consulting firm that coaches competitors. Right. Um, and, you know, it's even moved on to like the technical skills, which I didn't think, I didn't even think was a thing, but now it is. Yeah. Um, so I wonder what that means for barista competitions, because something that really concerned me was accessibility. Right. Um, and if you don't have the resources to pay for a judge that can help you, then where are you going to see the value in this for you? Right. Like at least what, four of the top six had paid coaches? In some capacity? Yeah, in some capacity. Yeah, I believe so. Maybe three. three. I'm not 100% yeah. on that. We Don't quote us on that. Yeah. But there was definitely a level of like paid coaching. Right. And for someone who's a barista in their cafe and just wants to try competition, like it seems incredibly daunting to me it's a, it seems incredibly daunting to me now and i have some resources right so yeah it's yeah i this is the first time that i had a space where i could practice my competitions during i didn't have to wait till the cafe was closed and i was like this is a really like big perk that i had that i didn't have last year 
And then, I mean, it was still on like a very old two group head linea, which was incredible. I wish we could compete on those machines. Me too. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, the level of resources is like, it's crazy. It's insane. And some people have some really, really, I mean, like Talia, for example, had a really incredible like team to support her. and From her company. Yeah, from Equator. And like that was almost kind of like inspiring to watch just to see how the company was so on her team. Uh, but there are so many other people who just don't have that, that they don't, they don't have a farm that they can just get coffee from. They don't have a training lab like I had. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they don't have the, like I've competed twice now or two, two seasons and they don't have like, I, I'm friends with you and I'm friends with other people that I can like send a quick text and a quick question and people don't have that. And it's, it's tough. It's hard not to see that the, the resources are the ones that's winning as opposed to the barista. So you mentioned wink um, a little bit back. Um, I want to go over that really quickly just so people know what it is. Um, can you talk a little bit about that organization and what it's meant to do? Yeah, uh, Wink, it stands for Women Investing in Northwest Coffee Champs, and the women's directly reflective of me and my partner, Karen, who started this. And our goal, we, we noticed that this was a problem where it was always resources were being rewarded and people weren't competing or weren't doing well because they didn't have the resources. So we started this. Um, it started as a physical library uh, of wares that anybody could come and just take what they needed because it's competition's very, very, very expensive. Um, from the cups to the napkins to the spoons, it all adds up. And all those things only get used once throughout the year, maybe twice if you're lucky. And we wanted to create something that somebody, anybody could just come to us and say, I need milk cups. And then we could give it to them. Um, and then as we've kind of slowly seen how competition works and as we're still learning more about the people that we want to reach, um, we would love to offer some type of consulting or um, scholarship programs that we, people, we, we can pay people's way to stay at an Airbnb or to pay the registration fees um, just to try and make it a little bit easier on those who just don't have those types of resources whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted something from you guys, how would, how would I get in touch with you? Um, I always think it's best to just contact us directly. Mm-hmm. Karen's really, really awesome at replying to emails, like keeping the Facebook up to date. I keep constantly getting notifications like, Wink just posted this. I'm like, thank you, Karen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are doing this way better than me. Um, my name's Becky Reeves. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, her name's Karen Nelson. Um, she's the owner of this rad new coffee shop in Portland that I, I will also plug. It's called Gilder. It's awesome. Everybody should go. Um, we have a Facebook. It's just Wink. Um, W-I-N-C-C. And we also have a Gmail that we kind of just regulate everything from. Um, we keep, we do accept um, like money donations. And through our Gmail account, everything we keep everything very very transparent so we have an open excel spreadsheet um open google drive so that way anybody can see what the donations that we got are where they went or what we're doing with them um just because becoming a nonprofit is never going to happen it's just way too difficult of a process so we want to in regards to donations and everything like that we wanted to keep it very transparent so everyone knows what our entire goal is mm-hmm. 
So going back to resources that competitors have, something else I was also struck by, and I thought this would never happen at barista competitions, is how many geshas there were in yeah. the top six. One, two, and three were all. Yeah. Like, Gesha. I thought you used an expensive coffee. I did use an expensive coffee. Yeah, and then everybody else was like, oh my Way God. expensive. I would oh. be terrified just to like carry that. I know. I was like to purge a grinder with it. Like, uh, 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 no uh. way. Couldn't do it. Um, like to be at my, the coffee that I used just for like clarification's sake, and the coffee that I think the average coffee. My coffee was pretty accessible. Um, it was still like on the nicer spectrum, but it's like four dollars a pound green, mm-hmm. and so that's something that I found. The reason that I I picked it and liked it was because it was something we carried it in the cafes for months um the the a shot of espresso of it didn't cost extra it was the same price the bag of beans cost 18 dollars. that's how much all of our bag of beans cost mm-hmm. so i liked it because it was accessible but then seeing i mean your right, mine was 485 per pound and that was more than what i used in austin i'm not sure what the price of my coffee was in austin but it was definitely like if you go on counterculture's website it's definitely one of their nicer coffees yeah. but you can still buy it online yeah. Um, and it is accessible to other people. But a lot of these ones you cannot buy online. They're mm-hmm. very exclusive. Like I know Equator owns the farm. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, they do. That's okay. their farm. Fica okay. Sophia. Cool. I just want to make sure I don't want to get any facts correct. But like the, there's a different level. And that coffee is delicious. D- delicious. Like stutteringly delicious. And the coffee that Kyle used was incredible. Right. I will I will say that I was a little surprised that he that the coffee that he used was the coffee that Lem used. Yeah. It was a different processing method. It was a honey process and a natural. Yeah. But I was like, oh. That's huh. the same one. It's the same one. So I wonder in that regard, like obviously good for Kyle. He made a decision that worked. Yeah. Um and he did it with it in a in a way that was so ingenuitive in a way that it was rewarded yeah yeah but at the same time that makes me wonder looking at the standards that we set for what we want from our barista competitors like does that need to change if we're rewarding the same things right well because then you also think to andrea who's it was her whole thing was about her performance and her servanthood so you compare who won first and second where kyle did something um, that directly reflected the coffee and directly reflected how the coffee tasted to the judges. And from, I mean, I didn't get to taste it, but from what I heard, it was incredible. Like there was nothing, there was nothing that tasted like that throughout the whole event, which is great. And I'm happy that he found something ingenuitive. But then you look at Andrea and her whole routine was about like servanthood and stewardship and like the way she treated her staff. And she washed the judges' hands and it was just this very moving performance that she like you could hear a pin drop while she was like competing because people were so invested in listening to her and when we when we look at what we're choosing as an ambassador are we putting ingenuity and innovation above it's it's what what are we measuring right what's the true measure of a of a barista champion right and looking to this year where we have this you know we have a new champion i i also wonder what do we look from our look for from our champions as they are the reigning champion right like what do we want them to do um and how do we want them to serve the community because that's something i've that there's really no standard on right it's true um there's no standard about like who what should this champion be doing throughout the year like i feel like there are certain people that i turn to who i'm inspired by like i'll 
sing the praises of Charles Babinski like 20 times yeah. over. He said um, my, he, he like said my name. <laughs> he was like, hey, Becky. And I was like, uh, yes, you need something, sir? Like, <laughs> no, I know. He asked to try my coffee. And I was like, oh my God. Nope. What? I, I would I, say like, nope, I, you cannot. You can't have any. I, I can never serve you. Um, but just the way that he's so accessible and the things that he talks about are really important to real life like making yeah. systems and making things easier for customers to just like order your freaking coffee totally yeah um well his, and his whole routine the one that he got second at wbc was all about it was mostly about the cafe and right. cafe flow which was awesome right it wasn't this like highly elevated thing that wasn't applicable right to anything yeah and i think about that a lot with andrea too and her routine because as someone who's had a lot of jobs and as yeah. someone who has worked for a lot of people I want leaders like that. I want to work at places where my leaders think about ways to enrich the entire community as opposed to thinking that the business is solely for them. Yeah. Um, and seeing service from the top down like that was so inspiring to me. And it makes me think about my role as a manager. Like, how do I serve my baristas? Um, and I was I was totally moved. I, I have not, I've seen her routine a lot and I haven't cried until her very last one. Yeah. And I just like, it just destroyed me. Yeah. It was so, so touching and so moving. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what, what our new champions do. And in other realms, I don't want to just talk about barista competitors. That just happens to be the space that we inhabit right now. But Also, if we can just give a, a speak on the topic of Andrea, just talking about Onyx. Yes. And how this cafe in Arkansas was able to destroy every single spectrum that they were involved in like dylan killed brewer's cup and then roasting they killed it and then andrea got second it's like this team mentality and like the way that we're talking about like resources even just having a team that supports you is just incredible right and seeing them work together too like seeing every one of those member those team members come together for each other was so inspiring to it me. really was Everyone, they like they cheered the yeah. loudest for everybody like they were so like watching dylan win brewers and seeing andrea in the back room like, just like freak out yeah, yeah she was like on the floor just freaking out and clapping and it's just like seeing that team just be killer i i said something to her in the back room i was like i, I told her that i just thought the onyx team was incredible um that i was just i was in awe of what they were able to do and she said, uh, well, what we do is we just hire people that don't look cool and we tell them that we're that they're cool and then we just build a family. And I like kind of whispered to her, I was like, that's how diversity works. And so they have like they have this really incredible diverse staff that when you look at them, you're like, you can't be coffee people, but they are the most incredible coffee people and they're humble and they're kind. I just like I can't sing the praises of the Onyx team high enough. I would, I would like completely agree. Yeah. Um, I'm a hundred percent inspired by the team at Onyx and it's possible. We should be looking to these, these companies and we should be saying they're doing something right. What can I learn from them? Yeah. And Andrea and John are really accessible. Yeah. I've written a lot of stories for barista magazine where they've responded immediately. Like, please reach out to them or reach out to someone else on their team. Like Dylan and Gabe, Gabe are super yeah. accessible as well. Um, and they're really proud of their team because yeah. they should be. Absolutely. So <sighs> I had so many feelings. Yeah. A lot of feelings too. <laughs> what a weird weekend. I know this was not, this wasn't last year. Last year I felt better. I don't, I don't know if you could say the same thing. I don't know. I, I'm not last week. I'm last year. I think I'm a little bit more woke now. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, 
as dumb as that sounds, I, I feel. I do feel more aware. I see. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. feel more aware. And like even just as a human, not even just as as a coffee person. So I'm becoming a little bit more developed in like the things that I see. Um, and that's relating to barista competition too. It's relating back. I mean, I'm a different person in, in the cafe now than I was a year ago. Ashley and I were talking about a situation and um, the way I handled it a year ago would be completely different to the way I would have handled it now. And it's all about this growth. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that it was any worse or any different. It was just, it was, I just learned completely different things from both competitions. Yeah, that's true. I learned definitely different things, but this year, I don't know, just seeing that top six, that was like, that destroyed me or not the from, top six from the, the, from the first, from the first round, seeing the top six be all men just, it was a bummer. Yeah. yeah it just took like the sales out of out of the wind out of my sails yeah i was like what's the sails out of my wind sails out of my winds uh that's gonna be a song for our future band but i mean especially seeing how other women and a a lot of other men how they reacted to that too and how they were um eager to make changes that also left me kind of inspired too that's true i did talk to a lot of people at competition like even just, even my judges yeah. when I went and spoke to them and they were like, yeah, like we get that. Like we get that. Like and understanding that there are rooms that we can change. It seems like everybody's on board with to do more. Right. And to do what's what's needed to to promote diversity. And, you know, there are a lot of resources out there. There's, um, you know, I talked to Ben Putt, who's the longtime barista champion of Canada. And he was like anyone can email me like i don't care like i will not charge anyone anything yeah like please talk to me yeah um and then mike strumpf who's one of the head um head members of the competitions committee Mm -hmm. um also mentioned that we need just more voices more people who have ideas because it can be hard to see outside of what the judges see because something he did mention is that so many judges have not competed right or are not current competitors or haven't been in that world so more competitors do need to be involved to make changes that are meaningful. Well, there was an email that went out by Carly. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that was an excellent step, and especially because they did it so quickly. They did it the day after competition that they, in this email, they basically laid out that they were looking for essentially like ambassadors of barista competitors who could start a a committee of other barista competitors so that we can directly talk to the competitions committee and come up so when a rule changes we can say like this is how this is going to affect baristas this is how we are going to view this rule change um or in regards to the score sheet um how we can better all these things so i think that's that was a great step um that i was nominated for by somebody else and then i was like okay yeah i think i'd actually really really want to do this i was like (laughs) yeah i think this is a really good role for me Mm -hmm. um so i mean that was i think that's a great thing that's coming out of it do you think next year will be better i don't know because it's all going to be different people with different resources and are you going to compete again i don't know i think so i think we all sit in this camp of will we or won't we (laughs) yeah like i don't know i think ashley can agree with this and i I think a couple other competitors but immediately after you compete I just feel so embarrassed and that's like my first emotion which is like a whole nother like thing that I need to work within myself because you shouldn't because it's you do a you did a great job and everybody who competes need to understand like how hard that is and how 
awesome you did and you deserve to like be proud of yourself but i still can't help but be so embarrassed by how you feel afterwards and that's why in the back room you hear a lot of people saying like i'm not gonna compete next year i'm not gonna do it just because you're so upset and, and you you are you would hate to represent yourself poorly um but i like competing and i had other judges that had never judged me before and other people that were watching tell me that they wanted to see like me and you compete again and i think i owe it to the industry <laughs> and to, to keep trying because i think that there are and I will include myself in this. I think that we have some incredible voices who stand for things that are great. And I think it's I think it's up to us to keep doing it and keep making this industry great. Because if we choose to just quit, like how are things going to get better? So yeah, I am going to keep competing. Great. And you know what? I'm going to use a cheap ass coffee. Great. And I'm going to bring my own linea. And we're going to compete on it. And it's going to be awesome. Excuse me. This is going to be the espresso machine I'm going to be using. Yep. It's already set to a, my flow meter is set. There's da, da, da. I'm going to talk to you the whole time because my shots are <laughs> going to stop on their own. It doesn't matter. Um, thank you for talking to me. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk. Dumb. I didn't sound dumb. Just don't be embarrassed. I'm Get not over embarrassed. It. I'm incredible. Great. Everyone listen to me. My voice is important. On that note, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm Becky Reeves. Thanks for tuning in. You can reach us always on Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram, Boss underscore Barista on Twitter, which we have started using now, and Boss Barista Podcast at gmail.com. So please reach out to us. Send us your ideas, thoughts, especially about this. Um, we want to hear more people contribute ideas about how to make competitions better. Um, yeah, the whole idea yeah. of all of this is discussion. Yeah. Just, so just keep tuning in. Just keep saying ideas. And we hope to hear from you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.